The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Philip Lager-Kranzler, Senior Crypto Editor for Bloomberg News, in today for Stacey Marie Ishmael. It's Friday, December the 2nd. Well, the apples are falling from the crypto tree, one by one. Contagion is still the name of the game, and this week it was BlockFi filing for bankruptcy protection. Also, crypto hedge funds are losing faith in centralized exchanges. Here to help me break down the news is Bloomberg senior crypto editor, Anna Herrera. The question is, if something happens to Binance, and I'm not saying that we have indications that it will, but who rescues Binance then? And, you know, you perhaps need money from outside the industry as well, not just inside. And crypto reporter... Tanzil Akhtar. The current regulation of crypto is partly shaped by misconceptions, the belief that space must be given to innovation at all costs. Crypto contagion is showing very few signs of slowing down. Um, Monday, it was BlockFi's turn to file for bankruptcy. Filing for Chapter 11, Bankruptcy Protection in New Jersey. Anna, you helped cover that story a little bit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how significant this is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big deal. It was not totally unexpected because they were having trouble earlier in the crypto winter being a lender. Obviously, they suffered from the um, falling prices and they were rescued by FTX. And so obviously now we know FTX itself needed rescuing. So clearly um, they had to sort of uh, file for bankruptcy too because the rescuer went down. Um, it wasn't necessarily a massive shock to the sector. Uh, we don't know the extent of contagion because uh, as with FTX, the names of the creditors have been redacted. So we don't know yet. But people were sort of expecting it more than perhaps, uh, obviously for sure more than they were expecting the FTX collapse. Um, it does obviously leave the, the door open to more contagion because who knows who their counterparties are and if perhaps they're also counterparties to FTX. So I think people are sort of expecting perhaps more shoes to drop, um, but we'll have to follow what's going on there. Yeah, and to your point about, um, you know, having names redacted for major creditor that, creditors that are also clients, I think we had at least six or seven names uh, with north of $10 million of claims on them. So it's fair to, even without knowing who the names are, it's fair to assume, presumably, that several outfits are sitting on on rather large losses out there stemming from this potentially. Huh? Yes, yeah. I mean, we saw the the list of, of uh, creditors without names had like big um, 
big sums next to it. So it will be someone, um, maybe not necessarily a known crypto-only firm um, that has a huge loss uh, because of BlockFi. Actually, curiously, one of the entities that was mentioned and wasn't redacted was the SEC. Um, and BlockFi owes it $30 million, which is part of a settlement um, that they were paying um, because of um, an, an issue they had earlier in the year, which is somewhat funny, but then not really that funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's curious. I guess it's like part of the crypto world that someone going bankrupt owns, owes the regulator millions of dollars. Basically, SEC, get in line. You alluded to the fact that this wasn't entirely a bombshell surprise. And we've actually seen crypto markets fairly stable throughout the week. We got Bitcoin trading, I believe, just below 17,000 right now. Um, but there are a wild range of forecasts and predictions out there right now. Taswood, can you tell me about that? What, what, what have we seen in the last week? Um, yeah, sure. So... You know, it's pretty surprising that the Bitcoin's reached 17,000. It's the highest level in two weeks. And Ether also has climbed up 4% as well. Um, the predictions out in the market right now. So we're hearing uh, Mark Morbius, who's the co-founder of Morbius um, Capital Partners. He sees the next target for Bitcoin being $10,000. Um, so although he did say he won't be investing his own cash or client money in digital assets as it's too dangerous... And he also went on to say crypto is here to stay as there are several investors who still have faith in it. So mixed messages from Mobius. Um, there was also a Wall Street Journal um, column out by Andy Kessler who says crypto's final price could be zero, which states that um, no sane lender would extend credit against assets lacking any underlying collateral. He also went on to compare the technology and debt to Red Bull and Milk saying that they don't mix. So you're seeing mixed messages and then the ECB also detailed its stance on Bitcoin um, market in general through a blog post saying um, the current regulation of crypto is partly shaped by misconceptions, the belief that space must be given to innovation at all costs. So, I mean, the, the post in general was quite negative about crypto. So, I mean, there's not a lot of faith in the market right now, but who knows? What are the bulls countering with? Anna, one thing that we see quite a lot is, you know, people are still building, the blockchains are still operating, the DeFi protocols are still running. What are we hearing from the bulls right now? Um, so the crypto proponents, and you can separate the Bitcoin maxis from the rest, or in general, sort of people that believe in digital assets, say and point to the fact that actually FTX isn't Bitcoin, it's a centralized entity, and it's sort of the opposite of what you would want um, crypto for. Um, and it just, again, reinforces the idea that you need the decentralized money because things like FTX happen. Um, and so that, you know, there's still value in digital assets and in Bitcoin specifically because it's not it's not what collapsed and the network's still running. And, and you know, it wasn't a crash. In, in It wasn't like Bitcoin filing for bankruptcy, if you will, it was FTX. Of course, like one argument you you could have to that and is that, you know, normal people can't really distinguish between <laughs> perhaps FTX and um, Bitcoin or the, the protocol. They might have bought Bitcoin through FTX. And so maybe not for everyone, the distinction isn't very clear because many of these firms that are centralized entities became 
the representatives for for the asset class. If you think about it, especially how much money they spent on advertising over the past year. I, you know, I was watching the World Cup last night. You still see crypto.com advertised um, near the players. So it will be clear for people in crypto, but it might be too subtle maybe for 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 some, you know, tourist investors as they like to, like to call them. Uh, but we'll see. Like certainly, you know, it is quite um, surprising that uh, Bitcoin has held this much. You know, maybe you would have asked someone, even a crypto believer, a few weeks ago, what would happen to Bitcoin's price if FTX collapsed in the space of a week? And ma- many of them, even Bitcoin believers, would have thought that it would have fallen beyond what we saw it go down to. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not lower. It didn't crash further down to like 10,000. Anyway, that's just my opinion. There is a little bit of uh, unusual resilience here, maybe. Um, Maybe the hodlers are finally standing their ground. I do want to talk about another type of trader that we just covered in a really nice story that, Anna, you worked on, the hedge fund crowd, or should I say the crypto hedge fund crowd, that are following the FTX debacle, kind of losing faith in the, uh, the, the, the notion of the centralized crypto exchange as it stands today. Anna, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so obviously one of the biggest groups that were hurt during FTX were, were pro traders and hedge funds and market makers because FTX was built by a trader and by traders. One of their, their original slogan was built by traders for traders, I believe. So it was hugely popular with professional investors. It was seen sort of as the gold standard or like it was you know, really great for for professional trading. It had had lots of leverage. It had all these derivatives. It was very attractive. So clearly when it collapsed, it caught many people, even like pro um, OG, you know, crypto funds um, uh, caught them by surprise. And so some of them have had um, big losses. I mean, obviously they range one fund we heard to close. There might be more we haven't heard of, but many had a little bit of money on there for sure because you needed it to trade. Um, And another thing of crypto platforms is that it's not like Wall Street where you have a trading platform, then you have a custodian, a clearinghouse, and um, a prime broker. A lot of that happens on exchange. And so you also need to post your collateral on exchange if you want to uh, margin trade there. And clearly, if then the exchange goes down, you're not only losing your trading capital, you're losing what you're what you're moving on exchange, but you're losing your collateral too. And that's a big leap of faith now, right, to go on another exchange. So we're hearing or, you know, a reporter was hearing about sort of some some funds that are a bit wary now and they don't want to post their collateral anymore. So they're trying to push for separation of powers, which would then make the market look a bit more like Wall Street, which which is, of course, ironic because the whole point was to make it not look like Wall Street. And this is the theme that's actually been cropping up quite repeatedly in the last couple of weeks there post FTX. It's this idea of the crypto exchange, or the, I should say the centralized crypto exchange, is kind of a sort of a weird animal, which does multiple Wall Street functions in, in, in one organization, wraps them all together. It's sort of, as you're saying, it's, it's, there's a little bit of an irony in there, huh? that the industry that was supposed to be the inverse of Wall Street might actually become more like Wall Street as a result of this. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, and I guess it's interesting because perhaps it just shows how it is just following the evolution and some of the mistakes that happen on Wall Street. Because obviously, like some of the separations of powers on Wall Street and market structure there were enforced after the financial crisis of 2008, where people got hurt. 
and where, you know, the rules came and, and made off as well, like clear segregation of client assets, um, moving more stuff on, you know, murky stuff on, on transparent platforms um, and making sure that everything was separate uh, because that reduces conflicts of interest. So in a way, rather than, I guess it's repeat, it's replicated Wall Street and also the mistakes of Wall Street, which is really, which is really interesting. We'll be right back with more of the week's top crypto stories with Anna Herrera and Tanzil Akhtar. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It wouldn't be a full crypto episode without talking about... Um, our favorite crypto exchange, Binance. Um, they were in the news striking a deal in Japan. Taz, what happened there? Um, yeah, so Binance is re-entering Japan, which is really interesting. Um, in the early days, Japan was a hub for crypto um, as it was home for Mt. Gox. So I'm not sure if, you know, I'm sure people have heard of Mt. Gox and how there was a massive hack which involved 460 million at the time going missing. So Japan itself has been very like careful when it comes to um, regulating crypto. So obviously Binance re-entering Japan I think is a big deal because Japan is super careful when it comes to regulations around crypto. Um, mm. They've also been one of the markets that even that has been one of the older adopters I think in Asia of crypto and obviously as Taz was saying they were burned by Mt. Gox so early on they tightened regulation a bit more so it's interesting now and that led some players to leave and I guess now with regulation that's in place it's it's leading um, players to come back which is I guess some of the point that the point that some crypto firms make they say well the lack of regulation makes this makes it unclear and so it's pushing us to go offshore somewhere else if we had clear regulation at least we know what rules to play by um, which is a point, but then I guess the counterpoint is, you know, 
you could just follow the regulation that exists on yeah. I, I would you know, say other assets. That's quite a bullish move on Japan's front when it comes to crypto, like letting Binance, one of the biggest exchanges, to list out there. I don't know. That's my point of view. They're not. I don't know if the term is listing. I think they they bought they an are, exchange. They are gaining a foothold in Japan. I think we can say. And you know, on the topic of Binance. They are obviously the 800-pound gorilla in the industry right now, especially after FTX's demise. And they have been kind of on the uh, trying to get on the front foot a little bit in the last two weeks. Um, and one of their initiatives, Anna, has been this industry recovery initiative, the, what do you want to call it, a rescue fund for promising but cash-strapped crypto startups. Uh, CC, you've talked about launching a crypto recovery fund. Where are you on that? You've talked about interest being quite substantial. Who's interested? Um, there's been back and forth on how to structure that. Do we make that a loose fund or do we make it an actual fund fund? I think we're kind of going with a loose approach where in, uh, different industry players will just contribute um, uh, as they wish. So, What um, have we seen there and what might their motivations be behind these efforts? I guess maybe part of it is also for morale to show that there's still money and, um, you know, interest in, in crypto. Obviously, like a crypto firm would have interest in crypto, but just to show that there's still some life here. Um, it was interesting that they said they have around a, a billion, the, the restructuring fund will be around a billion and they had other firms, like notably some market makers committing money too, but like the lion's share was from Binance, um, which, you know, is is curious. But as as well, you know, you're sort of seeing parallels with the early SBF days, the SBF of summer when he was coming in and, and having to rescue. So, you know, the question is, if something happens to Binance, and I'm, I'm not saying that we have indications that it will, but who rescues Binance then? And, you know, you perhaps need money from outside the industry as well, not just inside. But it's definitely an interesting thing to to, to watch and see what they decide to, to invest in. I think we had CZ on TV last week and he was uh, discussing how they're looking at another Voyager bid. They're going to look at FTX um, assets as well, see what's what's viable there and i think they said they were in talks with genesis too so basically to conclude the session watch cz and binance and let us see what happens in the next few weeks thank you anna and thank you tansil you can find more of anna herrera and tansil actors reporting on the bloomberg terminal and on bloomberg.com for more be sure to check out our twice weekly newsletter bloomberg crypto This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergalina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undum. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. Join. 
To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.